Hello, teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Beyond Measure podcast. (laughs) My name is Christina Whitlock, and I am pumped to share more holiday ideas with you today. I love December, and for me, it always feels like a true balance of comfort and joy. So even on the occasions when it doesn't feel particularly merry, it does still feel like a season of enduring promise. So my heart hopes that your heart feels exactly the same way. If you haven't yet listened to last week's episode, that would be episode number nine, for those of you who don't want to think too hard today, (laughs) just know that I expressed a few of my most popular strategies for December lessons there. Um, I talked about my December performance challenge, video shareables, and my annual Christmas studio ornaments. But before we go further... Please, please, please know this, my friends. I 100% wholeheartedly endorse a philosophy of do what works for you. Perhaps this time of year, and especially this year, more than any other time, it is so important that we are choosing to do what serves us. So I never intended for this to be a podcast that was like, hey, I'm Christina. I'm awesome. Do everything I do and you'll be a great music teacher. (laughs) That is so not my vibe. (laughs) So rather, I know that from my own experience that my most effective ideas are usually born out of conversations that I find myself having with other music teachers. So in sharing what works for me, I just want to help you decide what works for you. So if that is a new idea, great. But if my thoughts leave you content to just keep doing what you're already doing, then great. Now, last week, I promised you a humorous holiday story, and here's what I have for you today. I grew up with December piano recitals being a staple of life. (laughs) I had a really close relationship with my first teacher. I studied with her for 10 years. And one year, I believe I was probably in sixth grade, but I told her that I wanted to play a Dennis Alexander arrangement of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in the Christmas recital. I was 100% in love with that arrangement, And for the record, Dennis Alexander's Christmas Silhouettes book is to this day my sentimental favorite collection, and I could and probably will at some point do an entire episode on why that collection means so much to me and how I use it to teach a myriad of pedagogical ideas. But that's not today's task. So anyway, my sixth grade self tells my piano teacher that this is the selection I'm playing in the Christmas recital, and she told me I couldn't do it. It kind of blew my mind because she never told me no, ever. (laughs) But she explained that someone else was already slated to play O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and she didn't want a repeat. So reluctantly, I chose another selection. Well, when recital day came, I immediately searched the program to see who was playing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and do you know who was playing it? 
her, <laughs> my teacher. <laughs> Can you believe that? It's so funny. <laughs> now, in hindsight, I will say it was a very complex arrangement for pipe organ that she had probably been working on for quite some time in preparation for that recital. But I just find it so funny to this day that I wasn't allowed to play my choice because my teacher wanted to play the same tune. <laughs> I just think that's so hilarious. Anyway, now that story time is over, let's talk holiday strategies. This is by no means a comprehensive list of all possible December implementations. <laughs> it is, however, all things that I actually do in real life. 100% tried and true. All of them. <laughs> so first up, I wanted to share something that I kind of stumbled upon this year that has already given me so much joy this season. One of my adult students happens to have a granddaughter who lives out of town and is quite accomplished in many things, piano and songwriting being one of them. And shortly before Halloween this year, her granddaughter surprised her with a video message with an original Halloween composition she had written, and she challenged her grandmother to write her own Halloween composition and send it back. Well, I thought that was just, like, the most special thing. <laughs> Sadly, that adult student of mine ended up breaking her left-hand index finger in a game of pickleball gone wrong <laughs> just before their Halloween exchange could be completed. However, as we got into one-handed holiday music, we were working on playing some familiar tunes by ear, and a new challenge was born. <laughs> one day, I casually suggested to my student that she send her granddaughter a kind of name this Christmas tune message and challenge her to send one back. It seemed cute enough, right? Well, by the next week, the two of them had already exchanged somewhere over like maybe 10 or more different songs back and forth. My student was determined to send more and more obscure songs to challenge her granddaughter to dig into the archives of good Christmas music. <laughs> and we have continued to have the most fun with this challenge. I told her the other week, I so wish I still had my grandmother to do this with. And my student said, oh, did she play as well? And I said, no, which I guess would make this a lot harder. <laughs> but seriously, wouldn't your 15-year-old self love to be exchanging piano challenges with your grandmother? I just think that is the most beautiful gift. I think this could be a system that you could easily implement between your own students, intergenerational or not. So if you use the program Tonara, like I do, um, we already run like name that tune challenges throughout the year in small groups. You could also easily use apps like Marco Polo or Flipgrid to do the same thing. I love this because it is mildly competitive. It encourages the sharing of music, which is a big thing for me. And it also helps students become more comfortable sounding out tunes by ear or sight reading more music if that's your focus right now. So if you're like me, you're always looking for sneaky ways to keep your students playing over holiday breaks, one of which is coming for us, right? <laughs> so I think this might be a great implementation for you to try this year. While we're talking about playing tunes by ear, 
you should probably know that I often end up focusing more heavily on that skill in December than any other time of year. And this year has been particularly productive in that regard. To set the scene, you should know that I have been running my lessons exclusively online since early March. So when I made that switch, one of my school teacher friends had shared a list of questions one should ask yourself when preparing that switch to online instruction. And the one question that really stuck with me was, you know, what skills do I always wish we had more time for? Well, for me, oral skills never seem to get enough attention, so I promptly decided that our online lessons were going to include a ton of playback patterns and that sort of thing. Meaning, of course, I play simple tunes, just a few notes up through large phrases. Um, It can be as simple as rhythmic patterns on a single note or two, um, all the way up to melodies with an octave range with chordal accompaniments. So my students have grown leaps and bounds in their abilities this year to play back what they hear me play um, over, you know, again, the course of these last several months. So I consider it a really big success. Well, as we got closer to the month of December, I began feeding them patterns of Christmas tunes. So, I mean, after all, pretty much every single one of our students is capable of copying that first two measures of Jingle Bells, right? So I'll set them up by telling them, hey, I'm going to play a pattern and I want you to play it back to me. The first note is going to be E. So then I play those trademark two opening measures. Bum, 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 (laughs) right? I like to do that with a knowing smile on my face and see who's going to catch on to me. Some will get it right away, and others often take a few more measures before they actually realize that I'm playing them jingle bells, (laughs) which is amusing in its own right, of course. In doing activities like this, uh, my students have really learned to trust what is in their own ear. So soon after working through opening lines of Jingle Bells or whatever, you know, they realize that they actually don't need me to feed them patterns at all because all of these patterns, Christmas tunes, are already in their head. Of course, this also lends itself wonderfully into teaching transpositions. So for young students who play pentascales, allowing them to take jingle bells and move it to all of the scale keys they know is one of the most effective ways we can help them understand why on earth we play all of these scales. Lastly, I really feel like this exercise helps students gain a greater sense of agency at the piano. I know that I am not alone in the fact that I grew up playing exclusively with music in front of my face. (laughs) I was told that you either play by ear or you read music, and neither the two shall mix, right? (laughs) So since I already knew how to read music, I very wrongly assumed that I couldn't play by ear. And perhaps you can identify with that. And of course, the frustration that comes in my adult life, wishing that I could have had that aha moment a lot sooner, knowing that I can actually play by ear as well as read music. For me, holiday tunes, 
in whatever tradition your student is immersed, they are so well known that they make the perfect fodder for exploring this skill. So they also, by the way, make for excellent introductions to adding harmonies when your students are ready for that. I laugh because how many times have we stressed ourselves out looking for the perfect book for our pre-reading students (laughs) or needing to get our hands quickly on a specific piece when the answers are quite literally right at our own fingertips. Now, to be fair, all of my students, at least those who are interested, still receive holiday books and digital scores as well. But for me, knowing that I am helping them discover their full potential as musicians, not to mention furthering their understanding of how to actually just play this instrument in front of them, well, that helps me sleep a lot more soundly at night. I want to throw one last thing out there, and this one is a bit of a point of sadness this year. Because first of all, my students and I always have the best holiday performance classes. (laughs) We play Wendy Stevens' Stinky Stockings game, um, along with all kinds of other things, and I put cookies in the oven, and they take turns performing for one another until the cookies are done, and there is just something so magical about the smell of cookies in the oven and the chaos involved of having gobs of students in my house. <laughs> because while most of my performance classes through the year average around six or eight students, my December performance classes are usually closer to like 12 to 15, just to make sure everyone's in class with their favorite studio mates. I mean, seriously, looking through photos of our holiday performance classes past right now are just killing me because we always have the best time. You know, we also try to play out at nursing homes and retirement centers, um, you know, once or twice through this season. And obviously, none of those things are happening in 2020. So it hurts my heart, but we're also trying to find alternatives that can still make us all a little happier. In full disclosure, I can't guarantee that this one is actually happening for me yet, but I am hopeful, and I'm also hoping that you'll consider making this a thing for your studio as well. If you are collecting videos of your students for any kind of reason this month, I want you to consider combining them all into a single video and asking local nursing homes and retirement facilities if they have any interest in showing those videos like during mealtime or another special event. Many of those facilities have projection screens or other systems that they could use to showcase your performers. This is near and dear to me as I grew up making lots of music in nursing homes. I know firsthand how much sharing the gift of music means to those residents, and I know that they are hurting from not being able to have musical visitors this year. It is always such a time of joy to see the looks on their faces as you play these familiar tunes and share your gifts. So anyway, if you're looking for a way to benefit your community, I would just suggest doing some local research in that direction. And hey, even if you don't want to mess with student videos, try making one yourself. Music continues to be one of our greatest comforts in life, 
And my heart is just really breaking for those who live in facilities where they surely feel lonelier than usual right now. And now, with all of that said and done, I'm going to close with my usual quick toast to you. (laughs) Music teacher, friends of the world, today I salute you for all the things you do and all the things you don't do this time of year. So whether you are someone who runs 100 additional projects this time of year, Or if you're a teacher who carries on with business as usual with no extra fuss, this is me celebrating you for finding what works in your studio. Please remember that the ideas I've offered up over the last two episodes are merely that. Ideas. (laughs) You are perfectly entitled to hear my thoughts and think, Ugh, why do teachers do all that extra stuff? (laughs) You are also perfectly entitled to do less this year than what you usually do, if that's what you need to do to breathe a little easier. Or, to the exact opposite, if you feel compelled to do more than usual this year, then you just follow your heart wherever it guides you. (laughs) The very best and sometimes most challenging aspect of being an independent teacher is the fact that we are in full control of deciding what works for us. So, may you put aside the expectations that you are imagining others holding you to, And just breathe and focus on what you know in your educator heart to be the most important thing. You are such a gift to your students and a gift to this world. So keep on shining, my teacher friends. Hear, hear. Can I offer one last thought? Keep in mind, like any tradition, that sometimes these things will take time to catch on. So if you find yourself giving holiday ornaments for the first time this year, or you implement a Name That Tune challenge and get a lackluster response, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to be more successful in the future. It takes years for traditions to really take hold. So unless you try something and it's a complete disaster, I would keep it on your list for another year or two before you decide it's time to count it out for good. Thank you so much for joining me on this little journey through holiday reconsiderations. I would love nothing more than for you to share your own experiences with me through Instagram or Facebook. You can find me there at Beyond Measure Podcast. I would love to know what's working and not working for you this year. I've got a great episode planned for next week, not at all holiday related, so be sure to join me back here next Monday. Thanks so much, teacher friends. Have a great day.